Today marks our last sermon on this series called Revolution. For about the last month, we have uh, been looking at God's Word and letting His Word revolutionize our thoughts on love and what love really is. And so I want you to take just a few seconds and on your worship folder write down a definition of what love is. What is love? One of the things that we have seen over the course of, of the month is that God's Word says over and over again that love isn't just a feeling, right? It's not warm and fuzzies. Uh, love is actions. Uh, love isn't just with words, but it's by doing. And, and, and so we've seen over the course of the month, we've seen what it means to love God. It's, uh, I, I do things for God. I shape my will, my emotions, my feelings around God's will. We've seen what it means to love our spouse. We put our needs, our wants, our desires uh, below what our spouse wants. We put their needs first. Last week we saw what it means to love our kids. We, we raise them to love Jesus. We raise them in God's Word. Uh, love is action. This morning, we're talking about loving others, our neighbors. I want you to picture your best friend. I want you to picture your coworkers, your next door neighbors. Picture your kids, friends, parents. Picture that person that was standing next to you in the Starbucks line on Friday morning. How are you loving them? Do you love them? What are you doing to show that you love them? We live in a, in, in a world that has become very inclusive. And by inclusive, I mean uh, reclusive. <laughs> we, we, we are very much to ourselves. And sometimes we don't even know what our next door neighbor's names are. How can we love them if we don't even know what their names are? God has called us to live differently. God has called us to love our neighbors, to love others. And so today we're going to look at why and how. The first thing we need to realize is that we love our neighbors because we don't have a choice. It's not like we get to sit there and decide, uh, well, does, does my neighbor, does this person deserve my love? We don't get that choice. Because uh, I love my neighbor because God commands it. And I hit the back button somehow. God commands it. In Luke chapter 10, uh, there's a young man who comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to the good place? How do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, well, what does the law say? And here's what the man responded with. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. The man answered spot on. Actually, what did he answer with? Uh, A summary of the Ten Commandments, right? Love God, love others, and you get to heaven. That's spot on. And I'm sure we've all heard that before, love others. If you haven't heard love others as yourself, uh, I'm sure you've heard at some point, treat others as you want to be treated. Uh, Same kind of concept. We know this one. 
And a lot of times we think that we keep it. But in reality, we don't. Let me explain. As I was preparing for this uh, sermon earlier in the week, I kept coming back to the same problem. This just isn't applicable to me. I know that sounds really arrogant. But I kept thinking, I love my neighbors. I love my friends. I don't harm them. I don't say mean things to them. Uh, I'm not doing anything to cause them any bodily harm. I keep this one. But then I remembered love is action, right? Just because there's inaction doesn't mean that there's love. Just because I'm not harming them doesn't mean that I'm actually loving my neighbors. We don't have a choice whether we want to love our neighbors or not. And so how does that look? How does this love look? Well, this is your second point. I will be the kind of friend my neighbor needs and wants. That's kind of hard to read, but it's needs and wants. And there are three ways uh, that, we, that God wants us to be this friend. Three actions that He wants us to take. The first one is found in Psalms two, Psalm two, 12, verse 2. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. The first thing that your friend, that your neighbor needs, is someone who's honest with them. Someone who's not just going to tell them what they want to hear, but is going to tell them the truth. Earlier this week, Anne's maintenance light came on in her car. And I had no time to deal with it uh, because I was gone at a conference. So I told her, call the Toyota dealership and uh, take it in and let them deal with it. So she called main appointment and on Monday she took it in and she sends me a text saying, uh, there's $1,700 worth of repairs that need to be done on our car. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, just pay for the oil change, come home, we'll figure it out. Uh, don't do anything. And... Uh, so before she even got home, she texted Jerry because Jerry's a big car guy. And she said, Jerry, will you look at the car? And he said, yeah, bring it over. So we brought it over and Jerry looked at the list of, of the things that Toyota said needed to be done. And he looked at the car and he said, yeah, there are like one or two things that could be done but don't even need to be done until next oil change. So what, Jerry, our, our bill for, what, $1,700 came down to what, about 100 Maybe. Maybe, yeah, Maybe. This is what we're used to, isn't it? We're used to people lying. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you, that story. This is what we're used to, especially in the business world. And if you're used to it, you can bet that others around you are used to it, and your friends are used to it, and just like you, they don't like it either. They want someone who's honest with them. But they also want friends who aren't just going to tell them what they want to hear. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. They don't want someone who's just going to tell them what they want. There's a commercial right now on uh, TV. It's a city double cash card commercial. It starts with a, a man sitting at a table, and he's waiting for a blind date to show up. And the woman walks up, and she says, Hi, I've made plans for the, after this, just in case this doesn't go well. And the man said, Likewise. Uh, but, oh, funny story, my mom's my best friend. And the voiceover says, wouldn't it be great if everyone said what was really on their mind? 
The reason that commercial is funny and the reason it's applicable is because it's so different than the world we live in. Even within our friendships, we don't want to tell the truth. We, we don't want to tell someone something that they ne- don't necessarily want to hear. Why? Well, it could make things awkward. We don't want to be mean. We don't want to hurt their feelings. Uh, we don't like confrontation, so we don't want to tell them the truth, and they get mad, and now there's some confrontation going on. But here's the reality. You can't be a loving friend and not tell someone the truth. You can't be someone's friend and let them believe a lie. You have to tell them the truth. Because if you let them believe a lie, they're living in a false reality if you don't tell them the truth. They're believing something to be true when it's not. Loving someone means we are honest with them. But that honesty is always wrapped in love, right? We could speak the truth to everybody all day long, but if it's not done in love, no one's going to listen. We are all prideful people. Everyone is. We're prideful people. We don't like to be corrected. And, and, And if someone is pointing out something that we're doing that's wrong or believing that's wrong, we're going to feel foolish. And so we need to tell that truth in love. Otherwise, no one's going to listen to us. But we want to be that friend, that friend that tells the truth. The second thing that our friend needs is we need to share. Proverbs 3.28 says, Do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. (coughs) Our neighbor needs us to share. God wants us to share with others. Uh, Now this doesn't mean that you have to go home and and take half of your belongings and say, Hey neighbor, here's my half. Uh, You don't have to go to the grocery store and every time you go, you have to buy something for your neighbors. No. But it means when they ask you, Share with them. It means when they're in need, share with them. We're taught to share from little on, and yet it's so hard to do even as adults. Why do you think that is? Well, number one, we've worked hard for our stuff. We've worked hard. We like our stuff. We don't want to share it. What if I share something that in two days I'm going to need? And not just that, we've been taken advantage of. Our niceness has been taken advantage of. And we've become cynical. Why don't we want to share with that person standing on the corner? Well, because they're probably living larger than we are. Because people give them money all day. Why should I share with them? Why should I share with anybody uh, who's taking advantage of me? I don't want to do that. But God doesn't ask you to share with only people that are really in desperate need. He asks you to share with those who ask. That's being a loving friend. Finally, the last thing that our friend needs is to be encouraged in their walk with Jesus. Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
You have a lot of different people in your life. You can think of several. You've got your coworkers, your next door neighbors, your family, friends. Uh, you've got, again, the person in Starbucks. You've got the people at the library. You've got people at school. And all these people come from different backgrounds. They, come, they have different things going on in their life, but they all have the same need. And that is Jesus. The absolute most loving thing you can do for someone is share Jesus with them. Now maybe you're sitting there saying, well, I don't have that gift. I, I just I don't feel comfortable doing this. Read this verse again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's not a single spot in there that says only do this if you have the gift of sharing Jesus. Only do this if you feel comfortable doing it. No, God says encourage. As a Christian, encourage others. Share Jesus. Last week, we talked about how it's not loving for me to watch my child walk into the flames of hell. That's not loving. It's not loving to watch our neighbor do the same thing. It's not loving to watch as our friends walk into the flames of hell just because we don't want to say anything because it might make things awkward. Share Jesus. But then not just share Jesus. Walk with them on their journey to eternal life. If you haven't seen someone in worship for a couple of weeks, call them up. How are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. I just want to make sure you're doing okay. I, I want you to be close to Jesus. When you know someone is going through a lot in their life, call them up. Listen. Pray with them. Point their eyes back to their Savior. He's the only one who can bring peace in the midst of the storms. He's the only one who can bring eternal peace. This is loving our friends. This is loving others, sharing Jesus and encouraging, encouraging them in their walk. Now, have you seen the problem? We haven't been this friend, have we? We haven't told people the truth. We haven't shared joyfully we haven't shared Jesus or encouraged others. How can we be this friend? How in the world can we do this? Where do we find the power to be this friend? The night before Jesus died, uh, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden, we see some of the greatest acts of love that the world has ever seen. Jesus is standing there and a crowd of people come walking up with clubs and spears and swords to arrest Him. And who's leading the charge? One of His own disciples, Judas. Judas walks up to Him and He says, Greetings, Rabbi, and gives Him a kiss. And in love, Jesus reaches out to Him. Judas, are you really betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Think about it, Judas. What are you doing? Wake up! After that, Jesus talked to the crowd and He said, Who'd you come here for? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. 
And Jesus said, I am He. As soon as He said, I am He, the whole crowd falls backwards. They didn't have a choice. They got knocked over by God. Think about that. Think about being in the crowd and all of you just fell over and you're standing up thinking, what is going on? God's reaching out to them. Jesus reaching out. Now Jesus' disciples were there with, with Him. And Peter was having none of this. He, he took out his sword and cut off the ear of one of the men standing there. Pandemonium's about to break out. The crowd's about to attack the disciples when Jesus reaches down, grabs a man's ear, and heals it. Think about that love. This man came with a sword to arrest Jesus. And Jesus bends down and heals the man's ear. And finally, Jesus pulls off a, a miracle in the middle of the garden as the crowd says, we're here for Jesus. And Jesus says, then let my disciples go. Why would they let the disciples go? Peter just cut off a man's ear. The crowd should be taking at least Peter with them. And they say, okay, we'll let them go. One more act of love by Jesus. All of these are acts of love, but none of them are the greatest act of love that we see. The greatest act of love came right before all of this happened. When Jesus is praying to the Father, He's praying to the Father and He says, if there's any other way, please take this cup from Me. Not My will, but Yours be done. Father, I don't want to go through this. Father, I don't want to endure this. Because as God, He knew the cross was coming. I don't want to do this. Is there any other way? And the Father said, it's either you or them. And so Jesus, in the greatest act of love, stood up and went straight for the crowd. And here's how this applies to you. Here's the application. Jesus is God. He knows all things. And so that night, He was thinking of you. That night... God said, it's either you or Stephen Apt. It's either you, Jesus, or Mike Druin. It's either you or Jerry Cutterman. It's either you or Amy Morrison. It's either you or fill in your name. And Jesus said, it's me. I love them too much to let them die. I will go to the cross for them. I will suffer hell in their place. On the cross, that's what we see. Jesus is separated from God. And what is hell? Eternal separation from God. And He suffered that for you, that you might be friends with God. Where do we find our power to love? It's in the power of Christ, in the love that He has for us, for you. He loves you so much that He suffered hell so that you might be His friend. Wow! And that love that He has for you, He has for everyone else that's around you. Every other person you come into contact with, Jesus loves that person with the same love. Let His love empower you to love others that way. As we leave here, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to uh, speak the truth in love. We're going to share 
And yes, we're going to encourage people in Jesus. But we're also going to do our best to guard my neighbor's heart. And we close this morning with the same verse that we've closed the whole series with. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, we can't force our neighbors to do anything. We can't force others to do anything. But we can try our best to guard their heart. And how do we do that? Number one, we keep pointing their eyes to Jesus, right? We point their eyes to their Savior. When we tell them the Gospel, the Holy Spirit works and builds up those walls around their heart. And number two, we want to do our best to not put up stumbling blocks so that the relationship with the other person is good. So for instance, if, my neighbor, if I know my neighbor doesn't like when I play loud uh, music, I'm not going to play loud music because I want that relationship to be good so that I can share Jesus with them. Love your neighbors and guard their hearts. You know, as we close up this series, we really do thank God for His Word, don't we? God's Word never changes. God's Word is truth. And we thank God that He's told us what it means to love and has revolutionized our thoughts on love. On our own, we'd be lost. And so we praise God for His Word. We praise God that He teaches us how to love and that He wants us to share, to be honest and tell the truth, and to share Jesus with our friends. May God give you the strength to love others that way today and always. Amen. Please stand. We pray. Dear Lord Jesus, your love for us is never-ending. Your love for us is beyond our understanding. Uh, We thank you for your love. We ask you to fill our hearts with your love, that we may go out and love others the way you want us to. Amen.